Go to the book of First John. I'm a little bit sad today as well because uh, today is the last Sunday of uh, our focus series. And not about you, this has been my absolute favorite series we have ever done as a church. Uh, by the way, Jason and Han are here, and they just got married last night. Wow, my God. They just got married last night, and they're in church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Big congratulations to you guys. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful wedding. We were all there last night hanging out with them. All right, um, Focus Series to me has been my absolute favorite, favorite series. Uh, so today we're going to wrap it up. And I'm kind of like, I don't want to wrap it up. I want to keep this thing going all year long. But I pray that uh, you've been here every single week. I pray that you've been able to receive something and learn something. I think all of us, we've been learning together. If you missed any of the weeks, at the beginning of January, I said, hey, don't miss one week of this series. Like if you want to miss somewhere in February, March, or whatever, uh, try not to. But, but, but don't miss January because I've believe it was a very important series and so if you did if you had to for any reason you can go on our itunes on the podcast and catch up if not on youtube and catch up but i think it's been an important series for all of us to live our right uh, a right life focus so go to first john chapter two Next week, we begin another series. A very, it's a mini-series right before uh, Vision Sunday, but it's a two-week series, and it's called The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life. And uh, we're going we're to be talking about our life and how God has called us, I believe, to live blessed. What does that mean? We'll talk about that. I think it means a whole lot of things. But I think one of the things it does not mean is that it does not mean we have to live as slaves or as uh, people that are always in debt in finances. I think God has not created us and called us so that we are slaves slaves to the money, to the moolah, to the finances, young money, none of that, right? Like you, you were not made or created to live always enslaved, always in debt, always overdrafted. I don't believe that's how God created us. And most Americans, we're going to be sharing some statistics. Most Americans live in debt. I didn't think this was true. I didn't think this was actually like facts. I thought most people live okay, even if we live check to check. Uh, but I met one time, I met a lady who was $95,000 in credit card debt. And uh, she needed some serious, serious help. I was asking for help. And I just think as believers, I'm not saying that God, you know, is going to make everybody rich. That's not, that's prosperity gospel. That's not what we teach here. But I also don't believe that God called you to be a slave to the money. Right? I think God can give us money so that we can be a blessing. But you don't have to be a slave. You don't have to live in debt the rest of your life. Come on. Anybody want to get out of debt and be free to live financially? Come on. I think, I just think that's the way God created us. And so next week, we begin with that, the blessed life, two weeks. I think it's going to help so many of us out to say, hey, I can actually, money can be a tool in my hands, and I don't have to live as a slave to money. And so uh, the Bible talks a whole lot about money. We're going to be talking about that. All right, First John chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 15. These three verses have been the base of this series. We've been going over these three verses now for five weeks, and the prayer was that it would get in our heart in our soul for the rest of this year. We've been studying these three verses. We've been looking at them, and uh, we're going to wrap it up today. Look at verse 15. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. It says, the world and its desires, they pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Come on, whoever does the will of God will live forever. Week one, we talked about the, the distractions in our life. We talked about the distractions in our life. All of us, we can easily be distracted. As we were talking about the different distractions, we talked about 
Then number two, we talked about the distance that distractions brings, right? We talked about the distance, how it separates us from God. Then we talked about the danger. Lest of the eyes was the danger in destructions. And we talked about being careful with that. I think last week my wife preached a phenomenal, phenomenal message talking about the, the destruction. She talked about pride of life. And as we talked about the destruction of distractions, right? Week number five, as we wrap up this series today, I, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the destination of those that are not distracted. The destination of those that are not distracted. And I'm excited to get into it as we finish and wrap up this series. Can you look at your neighbor and tell him you look amazing this morning? Come on, can you flash a smile at the person you're sitting next to? Even if they're not smiling back, just, just force it on them. Smile at them. Come on, look at neighbor uh, number two on the other side and tell him you actually look better than my first neighbor. Come on, tell somebody to smile this morning. Come on, it's good to be in church. Come on, it's good to be in the house of God on a Sunday morning. Amazing. Let's pray. Why don't we close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's ask God to bless this time. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, God, for each and every single person that's here this morning. God, thank you for this campus. Thank you for our city campus. God, I, I thank you so much that we can do church across two different locations in our city, soon to be three, God. And uh, we thank you that you are good, that you're for us, that you're with us. And God, I pray that today if anybody walked in discouraged, if anybody walked in today in need of healing in their souls or their body, that you would heal them even right now as we're praying, God, and that you would help them find hope, love, peace, joy in you, God. We thank you and we love you, Jesus. And we thank you that ahead of time, Tom Brady is going to win another ring tonight. God, be with the Patriots in Jesus' name. All of God's people say, oh, come on, all of God's people say, come on, can we give Jesus a big, big hand one more time? Come on. Make some noise for Jesus. Actually, speaking of the, the Super Bowl, I, I was looking this week as they were preparing for the Super Bowl and all the press conferences, and, and you just see how some of these guys, they, I mean, they're athletes. They are just in shape, right? Regardless of what you think of Tom Brady, the man is 41 years old and still playing in the league. They told me earlier this morning that if you're already above 35, you're considered older for the NFL and, and possibly close to retiring. He says he wants to play till he's 45. He's just in tip-top shape. Regardless if you love him, hate him, you don't want him to win tonight, he's going to win regardless. Uh, but he, he, he's just in tip-top shape. Like, I look at him and I'm just like, wow, he looks a lot like me. Like, I'm just reminded of myself. <laughs> Some of you laughed a little too hard. That was hurt my feelings, but... But I'm like, man, we got to work on our, on our, sh on our shape. We got to work. Like, some of us are like, yeah, I got a round shape. I'm working on it, right? But we got to work on our bodies. And, and it just made me think. I've been trying to run a whole lot more the last few years. And, and, and I just started thinking uh, when we're running, I, I was listening to some music. I always have my phone on me or my iPod, right, listening to some music running. And, and I started remembering. Anybody remember back in the day, if you grew up maybe in the 90s, when you used to run or try to run with a CD Walkman? Anybody remember the CD Walkman? Come on, you remember the CD Walkman, right? The CD Walkman was amazing. It was a huge piece of, like, equipment. You had to carry around technology, right? And it was breaking technology when it first came out. Come on, we love the CD Walkman. But the problem with the CD Walkman was that if you ran a little too hard, a little too fast, if you hit a bump on the road, what would happen? The CD would skip. You guys know. The CD would skip. 
Just like you're listening to some music, up, up, it just skipped, right? Like, oh, what happened to the song? Or it would all of a sudden stop, and you would just have to run and hold it. Run and hold it. And it's like, man, what happened to the CD Walkman, right? It, but it was amazing. It was amazing technology. Before that, actually, if we go even a little bit further, we had the tape player. Come on, somebody. Anybody remember the tapes? <laughs> tapes. Come on. Some, we have some younger generation here that's like, what, what is he talking about? I'm lost. I'm confused. All right. Tapes, they were made. I grew up with tapes. Anybody grew up with tapes? Come on. They're awesome. I just started at the Sony Walkman, right? Yeah. I just started thinking like technology comes and goes so quickly. Goes, I mean, just fast. It's gone. It's done. Like, no, 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 nobody I think ever plays tapes anymore or even CDs anymore. I used to have a, a like a case in my, the back of my car with a bunch of CDs, right? And so you used to get into before I started driving, I would look at my whole case and say, which one do I want to listen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I would, I would just listen. Which one do I? All that is gone. Now we just stream. Doesn't matter if you're running fast, slow, if you bump, jump, right? If all, like that thing is just going to keep streaming. It's amazing, right? And it just made me think like technology is flying. Life is flying, right? All of a sudden things come and go. It made me think of back in the day when we used to have VCRs. Anybody remember VCRs? VCRs were amazing, and if you had a VCR, you had another little equipment next to it that used to help you rewind the movies before you return them. Come on, please be kind and... <laughs> I'm telling you, I see some young faces that are like... It's just we just had to rewind some tapes before we returned them because you used to rent them at a really cool place called Blockba. <laughs> Everybody knows. Blockba. Anybody used to love Blockba? We're clapping for Blockba. <laughs> We're clapping for Blockbuster. It's amazing. It's awesome. I love our church. Right? Blockbuster. You, you know, if you go to Friday nights, you go to Blockbuster with some friends, pick up some, you know, sodas and some popcorn, you're going to have an amazing, amazing night. But all of that comes and goes. Started thinking that everything in this life eventually will come and go. Started thinking about it. Like everything in this life eventually will come and go, things that we love, things that we held dear, all of a sudden we realize are just temporary, right? Everything is temporary, right? Nothing is eternal. We're living in a world that is soon fading. It is going to go away. Nothing will last forever. And here's the big problem that we have is that we try to fill an eternal soul with temporary things. We try to fill our soul that was made and designed for eternity with things of this world that are momentary and temporal, right? And so how do we satisfy our soul? Because our soul was not created for the here and the now. Our soul was created for the then and the there, right? We were made and designed by an eternal God. You have a soul, right? You have a soul, and your soul, it wants to be satisfied by the God who created it. We have this God-shaped hole in our soul, and the only one that can fill it, it is himself, his love, his presence, but we go all through life trying to find how can I find some satisfaction for my soul. I just need something. I need, I need something to fill my soul. Your soul is made for eternity. It says that he's put eternity in the heart of men. 
but we try to fill it with temporary things, right? Like, I, I just need some satisfaction. I'll do whatever I can to satisfy my soul. I just feel like every single day I'm, I want something, and, and every single day there's just wanting, wanting, wanting. I, I want something to satisfy my soul, something to satisfy my heart, and so we go to temporary things, and we're saying, okay, maybe maybe if I have more, more relationships, if I have a bunch of friends, and, and maybe that way I'll feel satisfied, right? Like maybe, maybe if I, I get a bunch of women, maybe a bunch of women will say, maybe if I go out with a bunch of men and, and, and that will satisfy my soul, right? Or maybe if I get more money and, and I fill all my bank accounts as much as I can and, and I just stash away, then I'll feel satisfied and happy. Or, or maybe if I have more good times in this life, right? Like I'll just surround my life with laughter. I just want life to be a big old party, celebrate every week, and, and maybe that will satisfy my soul. And soon we come to find out like none of that satisfies Right, you're done with one party, you go home, and you realize you still have the God-shaped hole in your soul. And it will, it will fill you momentarily, but it will not last forever. And it's like, what, what can, can help me? What can satisfy my soul? We go after all these things, and eventually what they become is that they become distractions for us. They become distractions for me and for you, right? Like, like obviously, we just go through life trying to say, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not a person that wants status, success, salary, none of that, but, but I want somebody to love me. I want somebody to be around me. And, and all of a sudden, our eyes can become so distracted with the world around us. I'll just look for pleasures, positions, or, or I'll go after possessions. And something can try to satisfy the, the hole in my heart. And so we live distracted. We started this year talking about distractions, saying, hey, this year, why don't we focus as a church? So come September, November, December, we don't look back and say, oh, I had all these plans, but they all failed. I wanted to walk with Jesus. I wanted to be closer to him. I wanted to work on, my, on myself, physical, mental, emotional, but, but I got distracted. Be careful with distractions. We said we want to live focused because God, he has so much more for me and for you. But we got to be careful with these distractions that try to come and satisfy the soul. And so if you're distracted, you, you're not going to be able to stay focused. If you're distracted by all these other things, you're not going to be able to accomplish what God has for your own life, what God has mapped out and planned for your own purpose. But we're always distracted. But if you, if you can get your focus right, like if you and I can just put our eyes on the right thing, and if we can say this year, I, I'm not going to get distracted. This year, I'm going to put my eyes on the prize. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. Then we can overcome distractions. We can live focused, and we can live accomplished what God has called us to do. And so the big point I want to tell you today is that if you focus your eyes right, you can have a fulfilled life. If you focus your eyes right, you can have a fulfilled life. It's focusing your eyes, saying, you know what, this year I'm not going to get distracted with things that are around me. I'm, I'm going to focus my eyes on God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at God in every situation that happens in my life. I'm going to look at God and say, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to tell me? I'm keeping my eyes on you. I'm not going to look for lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I'm, I'm going to look to you, Jesus, and no matter what happens, I'm keeping my eyes on you. And if I can focus on him, then my life can be fulfilled. And I can say, whoa, God is trying not just to do something to me. He's trying to do something for me. Right? He's trying to teach me 
something. First John, we've been reading First John for the past five weeks, and we've studied and read these three verses that I think are extremely important for us to know, right? John, we said he's a father in the faith. In other words, he's now, he's now an older man about to cross over into eternity. He's actually closer to death and closer to seeing Jesus again than he is on this side. He, he's lived this life, and he's now living around Ephesus, and after all the persecution, after all the things that he's gone through, some believe he was closer in 80, 90 years old of life, and, and he picks up a pen and he begins to write this letter for the Christians of those days, but I also believe for Christians all around the world throughout history, and, and he begins to write to us like a father in the face saying, my little children, right? He's writing to us because he wants to teach us, and he's trying to tell us something. It's important to read this letter and say, what was John trying to tell us at the end of his life? And he's saying, I, I've seen people get distracted. I've seen false teachers come into the church, and I've seen them trying to trick some people to go live after the things of this world. And he says, be careful, my little children. Like, basically, he's calling us to focus. And he's saying, I want you to focus on what God has for your life. He's saying, don't, don't get distracted. All of a sudden, he gets to about verse 15, and he says, do not love the world. Because if you love the world, you don't love the Father. Do not love the world. He who loves the world does not have love for the Father. He's saying you can't love the world and the Father at the same time. And that's what we've been studying. And we've been reading it probably out of the NIV if you have a Bible like mine. But as I started reading this last year and I started just researching, I said, wait a minute, let's go to the original, original manuscripts. The original manuscript says about the same thing. It just changes one little thing that, that I think can tell us that this verse, especially 15, almost has like two different meanings. Like, look at what it says in the ESV, right? First John chapter 2, verse 15 in the ESV says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in him. Wait a minute. We've just been reading for the past four or five weeks. We, we read that if anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. And we said that if you love the world, you cannot love God. Love for the Father can't be with you, but the original way that John wrote it, the original manuscript says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I believe that he's also saying that love for, the world, love for God is not in you, but what he initially was trying to get us to understand was that you're loving the world because you do not understand or you do not possess the love that God has for you. He who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in you. It's not that you don't have love for the Father. It's that the love of the Father is not in you. In other words, when I don't trust God's love for me, I go after the things of this world. When I don't understand, when I don't possess the love of God, what he has for my soul, how much he loves my soul, I go after the things that I think do love my soul. I go after the things of this world. I go after what I think provides for me, is going to take care of me, and it's going to give me pleasures, possessions, and it's going to give me positions. Well, wait a minute. It, it now switches around everything because oftentimes we can say we're believers and we can say we're Christians, but we doubt God's love for us so much. And every single time we doubt God's love, we're going to turn to the things of this world. When I think he, he doesn't know my circumstance, he doesn't know my situation. He doesn't know all the details. I know he's there, and, and I know he loves me, but, but he doesn't know everything I'm going through. And when we begin to think like that, we will turn our attention to other things. 
and we will find our security in the things of this world. Can I tell you, this is the number one thing that the enemy will try to do in my life and in your life, to get us to doubt God's love, God's presence, his constant presence in our life. And if he can get us to doubt that, he'll get us to turn our attention somewhere else. He did in the Garden of Eden. We've been reading Genesis chapter 3, how he brought the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life to Eve and to Adam. But if you read right before that in chapter 3, you'll see how he did it to Eve. Look at Genesis chapter 3. This is what it does. It says, now the serpent, it was more crafty than any of the wild enemies the Lord God had made. That's why I don't like snakes. He said to the woman, listen to this. The snake came up to Eve and says, did God, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Like, are you sure, Eve? <laughs> little snake. Eve, Eve, are you sure? Like, did God really say you must not eat from any? Come on. Like, God really told you you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Well, it says Eve. She responded to the serpent. Well, we may eat from, eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. She tells the serpent, well, he said we can eat, but... We can't eat from one specific tree. And this is how the devil works, right? Look, look how he responds. Well, you will not certainly die. Come on. Are you serious, Eve? You're going to die if you touch that tree and if you eat from that fruit? Oh, you, you're not going to die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes are going to be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, come on, Eve. Are you serious? Come on, you, you really think what God said is true? You really think that if you eat from the fruit, you, you're going to die? <laughs> you're going to die? Come on, Eve. God, God, all God is trying to do is that he doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want your eyes to be opened. He doesn't want you to see how much strength you can have, how much wisdom you can have, how much you can have on your own. Are you serious? Oh, come on. He knows that if your eyes are open, you will know good and evil. Don't listen to God. Are you serious? Oh, you can cheat on your wife? Come on. God really said he who commits adultery is going to be, ah, come on. You can cheat on your wife all you want. Oh, come on. You can lie on your taxes. Why not? You need a little bit more money. Come on. Who doesn't need more money? Young moolah. Right? Like, come on. You need a little bit more money. And all of a sudden, he's bringing lies, deception, and doubt into our soul. Because the minute we doubt what God said is the minute we start trusting ourselves and we start trusting the possessions, the pleasures, and the positions of this world. What the enemy did to humanity is layers deep. And it puts doubt in my heart and in your heart to say, does God really love you? Has he really told you the whole truth? Has God really told you the whole truth? Does he really love you the way you think he loves you? And here we are, we're in modern day times, and, and all of a sudden, when you're late on paying your mortgage or your rent, you're like, but God, I thought you were going to be there for me. God, I'm working hard. God, I got two jobs, and I got kids. I'm a single mom, a single father, and God, where are you? I've been praying for my husband. I've been praying for my wife, and nobody comes through, God, and I'm still single. God, are you for real? You, I've been out of work for six months. God, where, where are you, God? And, and all of a sudden, we start to doubt God's love for our life. 
God, where are you? God, here I am. I'm, I'm sick and I got this condition in my body. God, here I am still feeling discouraged and depressed. I thought you would be there for me. Mentally, I'm, I'm not healthy. God, physically, I'm not healthy. God, I thought you would be there for me. And all of a sudden, we got all these questions about God and say, God, are you really there for me? Do you know each and every single day what I go through? Do you know my pain? Do you know my circumstance? And we start to question the love of God for us. And we see some people that are being blessed. How come I'm not being blessed, God? Are you serious? And so we go after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. John says, be careful with the temptations of the world, the values of the world, the cultural standard of the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, because all those things one day is going to pass away. And if you live after these things, you will pass away with them. It's basically what John is saying. And he's saying, if you love God, if you have the love of God in your soul, then you can do the will of God and you can live forever. This is our destination, not to pass away with the things of this world, but to live forever and ever and ever with the God who made us, with the God who created us, with the God who has a plan and a purpose for our life. If you just focus on his love for your life. Oh, he loves, he loves me. He loves me. I think Christians, you know what we're really good at? We're good at saying stuff with our mouth, not believing it with our heart. Right? Like we come in church and we sing some songs. And Come on, I've been there. You've been there. We sing some songs and, and we'll shout out and all that. But deep down inside our heart, we're hurting. We're like, is, is God really there? I thought he would be there for me. And if he was really there for me, this situation would not have happened. Right? Like if God was really there, I, I would have not have gone through this divorce. If God was really there, he, he would not have left so-and-so pass away. If God was really there, he, he would know the pain and the circumstance that I'm in. God, he probably loves me, but it's not as much as I think. And so we're really, you know what Christians are really good at? We're good at speaking Christianese. We got the lingo down pack, right? Like, we'll come into church. Hey, bless you, brothers. <laughs> bless you, sister. How you doing? Bless the Lord. I'm doing all right. All right. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves you. Right? We got it down pack. We, we speak Christianese really, really good. Right? Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible. I thought you were going to leave me by myself on that one. We know all these things almost because it's almost like it comes to like, like secondhand nature. Like we know them because we're around church environment, church lingo, and all this stuff. But does our soul really believe it? Does our soul really believe it? When you wake up on a Monday and you're stressed out, when you wake up on a Wednesday and you're going through the hard moments of life, when, when you're struggling to pay your rent, when your kids are going crazy, when you get nothing but bad reports from the doctor, does my soul believe he loves me? He loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. He's for me. He will never forget me. He will never leave me. He'll never abandon me. He loves me. He's for me every single day of my life. He watched me through the night and he's watching me by day. He's in love with me. He's totally, madly, deeply in love with me. God, he is in love with me. And the moment we doubt it, we got to be careful because we turn our attention to this world. Much like Luke chapter 15, the Bible says that there's a father who had two sons. And one of the sons didn't doubt, doubted the, the love of the father and said, God, uh, Father, can you just give me my inheritance right now? I just want my money now. I'm not going to wait till you die and I get my will. Give me just my money right now. And the Bible says that the father gives him his inheritance and he takes off to Vegas and he goes off to Vegas and 
he sees every show and he spends his money on women and he goes crazy till he runs out of every single dime that his father gave him. And all of a sudden he's left homeless, starving. And he's eating the leftovers that they give animals to eat. Because he trusted in his own strength, in his own knowledge, and he wanted it now. So I go after the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life on my own because I don't know if what my father has for me is really true. Right? Or look at the woman at the well in the book of John. This woman that goes to the well because she's thirsty and as she's pulling up some water, Jesus says, can you give me something to drink? She's like, you don't even have a bucket. What are you talking about? He says, I'm just trying to tell you that if you drink the water that I have, you will never thirst again. All of a sudden, she finds out he's the Messiah after a conversation, and she's like, I I just had to go tell my husband that you are the Messiah. He's like, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with right now ain't your husband. (laughs) (laughs) What you are is that your soul is thirsty, and you're trying to satisfy it with the things of this world. If you drink from this water, you'll never be thirsty again. And we can judge the son, and we can judge the woman at the well, but we're the same way. When we don't trust God, we run to our jobs, we run to our money. And the Bible says that the root of all evil is the love of money. And so we run to money thinking that money can provide for us pleasures, possessions, and positions the way that nothing else can. God, do you really love me? God, are you really there for me? Because I'm going after all these things trying to find some love in my soul. God, when life gets difficult and when I don't understand it, God, I question you. I'm going to be honest. I'll be the first one to say we've doubted God. I doubt God. I say, God, are you there for me? Why is life this difficult and why does life have to be this hard? Here I am serving you, God. I'm trying to do all I can. God, here I am. My heart is yours and I have to go through these battles. Are you for real, God? And I doubt his love for me. And I doubt his promises for me. But deep down in my soul, I need to remind my heart. And I need to remind myself that he is for me. That he does love me. That he will never leave me nor forsake me. And it doesn't matter what comes my way. He's going to work it out somehow for my good. Because he's for me every single day of my life. Three things we need to focus this year. Focus on his love for you. I'm telling you, we need to focus. If you know how much God loves you, you'll be able to withstand the circumstances that life throws your way. Three things that I think we should do this year. Number one, we need to understand his love. We need to understand his love. I really believe that a lot of us, we get up in the morning and and we don't think about how much God loves us. Right? We get busy with life and we start working and we got kids to take care of and bills to take care of and Maybe some of those sicknesses and conditions we got to take care of, and we're running back and forth. And the last thing that we do is we take some time to understand God's love for our soul. He loves me. Like, he loves me. Let's not just say it with our mouth. Let's believe it with our heart. He, he loves me. He truly, really is madly, deeply in love with me. Come on, as a church, as a family, can we do this all year long? Let's try to understand his love. That I will understand how much God loves me. God, I want to know how much you love me. I'm trying to understand this love. It's a radical love. It's a crazy love. It's a love that's so great that sent his only son to die for me on a cross. Can I think about this love? I want to think about it. I want to try to understand it, process it. How can he love me? How can he love me? Some of the ways that I think we could do this, and, and I want all of us to write this down. I want all of us to do this for the rest of this year, right? Like if you can get this thing down, 
this is the key that I think will help us all to try to understand his love and help us live focused the rest of this year. It's called the first 15, right? Write this down. First 15. I think this is going to help us out. If every single day before we go to our text, before we go to emails, before we see how many likes we got on Instagram and before we see what's going on on Twitter, if we could just wake up 15 minutes earlier and say, before I go to my phone, before I go to the newspaper, before any of that, spend 15 minutes. Give God the first 15 minutes of your day. Every single time you give God your first, he will always bless the rest. Right? If you, if you want your day to be blessed, give God at least the first 15 minutes of your day. Right? Like, if you want your finances to be blessed, give him first, the first of your finances, right? That's why every single week we, we have a giving moment where we give God our first. Me and Dan, as soon as we get paid, we, we separate our tithing. It's the first thing we do. I know there's a lot of bills to pay, but we're going to give God his first because it's only, only through him that we got blessed today, right? So give God your first. You wake up in the morning, right, and just give God your first, right? 15 minutes, how can you break it apart? Five minutes reading the Bible. Okay, I'm going to get in the Bible. I'm going to read the Word. Even for five minutes, right? It, maybe it was just one verse you read over and over for five minutes. Maybe, maybe it's a chapter in five minutes you want to read, right? But just read the Bible for five minutes. After you're done with five minutes, just put on some worship. Put on some worship and say, I'm going to worship God for five minutes, right? You can, you can stream. You don't got to see you walk in. It's okay. You can, just, you can stream it, right? Just put on some music and put on some Hillsong worship, United, whatever it is. Put some Calvary music and, and just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to worship God for five minutes. Lord, I bless your name. I worship you. Just begin to sing. You can do it right there on your bed, or if you kneel beside your bed and you want to worship and pray beside your bed, just before I go to my phone, before, before I get busy with life, and before all these distractions come before my eyes and, and make me forget about your love, I worship you, God. I praise you today. You're worthy to be praised. There is none like you, God. You are glorious, God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your love toward me, right? Do that for five minutes. You're going to see five minutes, it goes like this, right? And then the last thing, five minutes in prayer. Five minutes in prayer. After you're done reading the Bible for five minutes, worshiping for five minutes, just five minutes in prayer, right? God, I thank you for today. I thank you, God, for what I have. I thank you for what you've given me. And all of a sudden, you start thanking God for everything that he's given you, and you'll see that you need 15 minutes just for that. God, I thank you I got air in my lungs this morning. God, I thank you that I woke up this morning. I thank you that today I can remind my soul you love me. I thank you, God, for the roof over my head. And I thank you that, God, even if I don't have a lot, God, I already have everything that I need for today. You will provide it, God. And you just begin to thank God for five minutes, five minutes of prayer, five, five, five. If you wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, maybe you can wake up at 545 and just say 15 minutes. I'm going to put the alarm 15 minutes earlier. I'm going to wake up like that alarm that's going off right there. All right, I'm going to wake up 15 minutes earlier. I'm going to wake up 15 minutes earlier, and I'm, I'm going to worship God, right, for 15 minutes. I'm going to do these first 15. If you wake up at 7 o'clock in the morning, 6.45, right? If you wake up at 8, 7.45, 15 minutes earlier, I'm just going to worship God. If you wake up at 10, you, you just need to wake up earlier in life, right? But you just, just wake up, right? And, and, and just say, God, I'm going to worship you. We're going to understand his love. Number two, write this down. We need to focus on his love. What is our attention on? What, what are we looking at? Are we looking at our shame and our guilt? Are we looking at everything that comes against us? Maybe this year we need to start focusing on how much he loves us. He loves me. He's, he's for me. I'm going to focus on God's love for my life. Things that are happening, they're not happening to me. They're happening for me. When you change your focus, it'll change the circumstances of life that are happening around you. Focus on his love. And number three, and I think this is the greatest one, and we're going to close with this one, and the band can come up. Number three, accept his love. Accept his love. Can I tell you, I think this is the greatest challenge for all of us, to accept the love of God in our life. We can't receive it. We feel uncomfortable with it. We feel that 
we don't deserve it. We got guilt and shame in our minds and, and we say, I can't, I can't accept his love. Okay, fine, he's a loving God, but, but that he did this for me, it's just uncomfortable. Like, like, are you serious? It's like that son that ran back to the father's house, that prodigal son. And, and the Bible says when he was on his way home, the father saw him from a distance and began to run toward him. He said he ran toward him and it says he hugged him and he began to kiss him all over the place. And, and the son was just going back to be a servant. The son was just going back to say, dad, I'm here. Can I just be one of your employees and, and I'll, just, I'll just work for you, dad. And the, the dad is with his arms wrapped around him, kissing him and hugging him because he's come back home. And I just picture the son like super uncomfortable, like, oh, my God, dad. This is, have you ever tried to hug somebody that's really awkward? It's just like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, it's like it's just a weird hug. Like many times God's trying to hug us and this is how we are, like super awkward because we cannot accept his love toward us. Number three, we need to accept his love and say, God, you really do love me. Well, God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you're not holding me guilty of my sin, of my past, of my mistakes, but you love me, you're for me, you're with me. Every single day that I wake up, every single day that I lay myself to sleep, you're in love with me. You've watched me through the night and you've taken care of me throughout the day. Your eyes are on me. If you take care of the sparrow, surely you'll take care of me. You are in love with my soul, God. He's not a God that is off at a distance. He's not a God that has forgotten about you, but he's madly, deeply in love with you. Somebody here this morning, you need to capture this and you need to get this in your heart. God is madly and deeply in love with you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you. He loves you so much. He brought you in here this morning to remind you that he loves you. He's not thinking about your sin. He's not thinking about your mistakes. He's thinking about your soul. And he loves us so much that he sent his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have life everlasting. He loves us. He loves us. Can you accept it this morning? Can you receive it in your soul this morning? He loves me. Do not love the world. He who loves the world does not have the love of the Father. How can I overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? By receiving and accepting his love. By knowing that he loves me. By knowing I'm secure in him. By knowing my position in him. By knowing everything that God has given me. Some of us were really good at telling God how much we love him, but never stopping to realize how much he loves us. Right? Like, like this is, it's, can I be honest? It's difficult for me sometimes because we think about our mistakes. We think about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We think about where we go and where we've been. And it's like, I don't understand this love. God, I love you. And I'm just so thankful. And God's like, can you just be quiet for a moment? I love you. Yeah, 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 God, God, but, but, but I love you. Like, like, I love you. Like, I'm here to serve you, God. I'll do whatever you, you want, God. I'm here. I love you. Thank you for life. And, thank, and God's like, can you just be quiet for a moment? I love you. Yeah, God, but I'm not worthy, God. I've messed up so many times. If you could just forgive me, God. I, I messed up yesterday. I had a bad day, and I, I got a bad attitude, God. And the week before that, I'm sorry I had some wrong thoughts. And God, and he's like, can you just be quiet for a moment? And listen, I love you. 
I love you. I know you keep telling me you love me, but the only reason you love me is because I loved you first is what the Bible says. We love him because he first loved us. He called us by our name before we were in our mother's womb, before we ever made it to this earth. He was madly, deeply in love with us. He's been thinking about us. He's been planning our lives. He has his hand over your life. And I feel the Holy Spirit right now saying, I love you. I got my hand on you. I'll never forget you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. God loves you. He's been by your side. He's been by your side at night. He's been by your side in the morning. In that night that you were crying, he was by your side. If somebody can lift up their hands right now, come on, all across this place. Can you just lift up your hands all across this place? Hallelujah. I feel God's presence in this place. And I'm telling you, he wants to wrap some of us in his arms. And he just wants to say, I love you. 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 Can you receive and accept the love of the Father? Every single time we say, I love you, God. Just picture those words being said back to you. I'm really good at saying, I love you. I love you, God. I love you. I love you, Father. I love you, God. And God's like, can you just be quiet and listen to me say it to you? I love you. I love you. I love you. I've watched you. I've watched you your whole life. I saw you when you were little and I was with you on that day. And I, I walked by your side every single day and every single moment of your life. And I was there when your dad left you. And I was, I was there when your mother turned her back on you. I was walking with you and I never left you and I never forsake you. I, I've been by your side and I made sure that you kept strong through the days. And I made sure that you persevered because I chose you since the beginning of the earth. Before I laid the foundations of this earth, I had my eyes on you. I've had you planned all along. Before you were in your mother's womb, I called you by name and I had you. I love you more than I love the stars and I love you more than I love the creatures of this earth. You are planned and predestined by a God who made the cosmos. He loves you and he wants to wrap his arms around you and remind you this morning that he loves you. Come on with hands lifted high. Can you just begin to thank God right now for a moment? Come on, can we begin to thank God all across this place? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love that when we were sinners and far from you, you loved us. You came toward us, God. The Bible says that he created the stars and he calls them by name. And if he loves the stars that much, he loves you even more. He loves you. He knows what we've been through. He knows what we've done. He knows the details of our life. He chose us before we made a mistake. That's love knowing we were going to fail him and knowing we were going to turn our back on him. He loved us. This is great love. Amazing love. We were given life and we were created only because God thought about us before creation. Before the foundations of the earth, you were on his mind. That's why the enemy is trying everything he can to kill people before they are born. And that's why abortion is not from God. And that's why lawmakers and all these people are trying to kill babies saying they're not alive. But the Bible says we were on God's mind before we were even in our mother's womb. And there's a plan and a purpose. And there's life in there. And God is 
constantly thinking about us. This morning, can you just let the Father hug you? I know you've made mistakes. I know you've done wrong. I know like me, we've gone after the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, but, but he's saying, I love you. And he says, if you just do my will, your destination is to live with me forever. How do I do the will of God? The Bible says, if we love God, we'll obey his commands. Some of us need to fall in love with God. As we remember that he fell in love with us. With every eye closed, with every head bowed all across this place. Maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, Alex, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm far from God. Maybe you're in here today and you're saying, Alex, I feel distant from God. I feel separated from God. I've done wrong. I've said wrong. And there's no way that God can love me. I want to tell you, he loves you. The Bible says that all of us were sinners. And our sin separates us from God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. The Bible says sin came to separate, but Jesus, he came to unite. Jesus, he was God's son and God sent him down to this earth. And the Bible says that he lived for 33 years and a half. One day he, he grabbed all of my sin, my shame, my guilt. He grabbed all of your sin, all of your mistakes. And the Bible says that he put them on his shoulders and he went up on a cross. And the Bible says that Jesus died for the sins of all humanity. He died for our sins. The Bible says that they beat him beyond recognition. As he was hanging there on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, he, he died on that cross, they put him in a grave and he was dead for three days. But the Bible says that after three days, sin and death could not hold him down. And the Bible says that God the Father resurrected the Son and we just believe that Jesus, he's alive today. Sin could not defeat him and death could not hold him down. Jesus, he's alive today and he's the hope that you've been looking for. He's the answer that you've needed. He's the peace that your soul has been looking for. Come on, with every single eye closed, with every head bowed, as the whole church is praying in a moment of privacy and concentration. If you're here today, you say, Alex, I need Jesus today. Alex, I need forgiveness of my sins. Alex, today I want a brand new beginning and I want a brand new start. Today I want a relationship with God. As the whole church is praying, I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. In the auditorium, if you're in the additional seating, if you're listening online or on the radio. You're making this decision today at the count of three. Every eye closed, every head bowed, nobody looking around. It's between you and God. I believe God has seen that move of faith. You're raising your hand. Hold it up just for about five seconds. And I'm going to see you just so I know who I'm praying for. Come on, as the whole church is praying. If that's you, if you say, I need forgiveness, I need a brand new beginning, I want a relationship with God, raise your hand at the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can, all over this auditorium. To my right, hands everywhere. In the middle, hands everywhere. In my left, hands everywhere. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you and 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 you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Hands all over this place, amazing. God, we thank you so much for all these hands raised. Thank you for your love for us and with us, God. Seal this moment with your Holy Spirit. As eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I want all of you to repeat it after me. It's a simple prayer. We're just asking Jesus to come into our life, to forgive us of our sin, to be our Lord and our Savior. Repeat after me. In fact, the whole church, it's a family. Let's say it together. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit 
that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, church, can we give everybody a big, big hand? Come on, all across this place.